Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I am Alex Burr. My usual co-host, J.D. Hall, um, would have joined us this week, but he is incredibly under the weather. Keep him in your thoughts and prayers. Um, there's a, you know, a nasty respiratory virus going around. He does work in a school. So, you know, they're, <laughs> you know, kids, as you know, are a well-known carrier of viruses. Keep J.D. in your thoughts and prayers. But joining me and he would have joined JD as well, but that's besides the point is our old friend, Dylan Hughes, Dylan in the tradition of throwing a curveball. When you expect a fastball, what is the best food you ate while you were on tour? Man, I'm coming. I'm throwing heat, even though it's a curveball. Seven mile an hour curveball. Imagine trying to hit that. Man, that is that is tough. That is tough. Um, can't think of anything specific. I will say there is a lot more gas station food than you would hope. Um, I, <laughs> there's a lot more gas station food than you'd hope. But I mean, we're we're pretty uh, we're pretty consistent with what we're eating. Like, there's a lot of Mexican. Uh, there's a lot of Indian. There is a lot of burgers, which I'm always a fan of. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different cuisines around this country of ours. And uh, it, it's a cool thing about America is that you can have Indian food, Mexican food, and just be a white guy. You know, you can just walk in and you can try all these different types of foods. But there is a, you know... There's there's a lot of also late night Denny's type of stops. Uh, there there's a lot of different cuisines we're trying, but no, nothing that's like changed my life. I'll say that um, I have unfortunately not been able to delve into like Memphis barbecue yet or anything super like local kind of things that people know. I think I may have had Kansas City barbecue, but I don't remember specifically but you know th- there's been a lot of good food on the road and a lot of other things that uh that we've been trying so it, it's been good but nothing nothing that i'm writing home about yet at least hopefully sometime soon i'll get some sort of life-changing uh piece of steak or something like that well i'm, I'm assuming at some point you're gonna go back to memphis right i'm assuming yeah it, it, at the very least like memphis we drive past it a lot, like when we're in that area of the country. So we, we, we stop in that area. We've had a few shows there. So we'll be back for sure. And uh, I'm going to have to make time for some Memphis barbecue. And I, I actually do think we're going back to Kansas City in a couple of weeks. Uh, not, to, not for a show, but we're making a stop on the way to the great city of Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha! <laughs> The home, I believe, of Brian Windhorst. Um, so maybe I'll stop in and see what's up with him. But uh, hopefully get some Kansas City barbecue along the way there. Don't leave the power hour for the Hoop Collective, Dylan Hughes. I will be. 
I will be happy, but I'll also be heartbroken. Um, yes, if you go to Memphis, try some barbecue. Um, I did not get to stay in Memphis very long myself, so I only tried one spot. I am dying to go back someday, though. Especially, I would love to go to Memphis someday and watch John Morant play basketball. That is... Memphis is a great city. It's got a lot of cool stuff. I want to go back and just like explore sometimes. So Dylan, that's, that's my only request. I haven't been, I haven't been to as many places as you, but if I can make one recommendation, <laughs> Memphis barbecue and, you know, hopefully um, the speedway rollers aren't, aren't half bad. <laughs> hey, they get the job done, man. They get the job done. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, right? So we do got to talk about some basketball stuff. I'm just going to say we're going to be the, we talked about Kyrie and Primo last week. We didn't know what was going on with Primo. More details leaked. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about Kyrie. I'm done. It's like, if you want to hear more stuff, talk about that stuff. You can listen to other podcasts. I'm, I'm going to say what they did was bad. What they did was very bad. I don't have in-depth analysis for you. I don't. And what they did should be condemned. What they did, Kyrie in particular, I think Kyrie's punishment, Kyrie's was suspended um, indefinitely. I think Kyrie's punishment was fair. Um, and I, I think what he said and what he did was bad. Him tripling down was bad. Dylan, do you think that's a fair enough thing for me to say before we get started with this basketball podcast? Yeah, I mean, there's not much to be said that hasn't been said, uh, but he doesn't really seem to care much about other people in general, you know, and uh, he's very into his stuff that he's finding on clearly very good sources uh, that he's using for his information. Um, But yeah, he needs... He needs to be suspended indefinitely. And the great thing about indefinitely is you don't know how the hell long it is. So, well, we'll see what that ends up meaning. But, uh, yeah, very, very fair punishment. Yes, and he did meet with Adam Silver. I I don't know if we'll get the details of what happened there, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, also, I'm not going to talk about Miles Bridges because, again, that's horrible. And we talked about it over the summer. So, horrible. He shouldn't have done what he shouldn't have done what he did. But... Nothing that I will say can change what Miles Bridges did. And so on that note, let's talk about basketball. Dylan, um, we do have a sad injury to report. Cam Johnson, who was playing quite well to start the season. I don't know how much you were paying attention to the Suns. Um, Cam Johnson tore his meniscus. He's going to miss one to two months with the meniscus surgery. Dylan, I know you're I know you're a Cam Johnson guy. And I just know you like his game. How much does this suck for the Suns? And have you I'm just gonna ask, have you been paying attention to the Jay Crowder saga at all? Uh not a ton. I know like I don't he's not playing, right? He's not playing. He requested a trade. Yeah. And that that really hurts because I mean we've talked about the Suns a lot over the past couple of years, obviously, with them going to the finals two years ago. And Jake Crowder was a big part of that. He was a big part of the Heat's run before that. You know, he's he's a pretty integral guy for good teams. Like, he's proven his entire career to be a very useful role player. And Cam Johnson being out is going to amplify that issue for them where they don't 
have the wing depth they once did. And that wing depth is very important for any team, but especially for them, uh, you know, so it's going to be an issue. And I know the Suns have played well still, even without Crowder and without Johnson recently. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, the Suns are an interesting team because they just – their title window, like we kind of thought it maybe just that one year with Chris Paul's age and all that. And, and last summer, the DeAndre Aiden thing where he just clearly wanted to get out and the Suns matched his contract. I don't think he was very happy that they did that. Um, so it, it's, it's a weird team. They still have a lot of talent, uh, but we're going to see the, the West is real odd right now. I want to kind of delve into the Minnesota situation more because I follow this one guy on Twitter that's a big uh, Timberwolves fan, and he was talking about – he was like, the only way to fix all this is to make trades. It's like, well, they just traded for Rudy Gobert, and they're already having some sort of a crisis. So I'm interested to see what's going on there. But the West seems really weird right now, and I'm, I'm interested to crack into that more and see what the hell's going on. For sure. Cam Johnson. Dylan shooting 43% from three on six attempts, obviously only six games, but we've seen him before. We know this isn't a fluke. Um, We know he is a sharpshooter from three, probably one of the best three and D players in the league and losing him. It sounds like, you know how meniscus tears are Dylan, you know, there's the two options. You can either have the one surgery come back in the shorter time span like I think it's they take the part of, like they repair your meniscus or you like have the surgery on it and you come back in like the longer time span. It sounds like he did the repair one, which I guess makes sense given his age because he is older. But still, I mean, you could play 10 years if you're Cam Johnson. Like not even 10, you could play 12, 13 years. I still think you should prioritize your long term health like he's not old. <laughs> this is like his prime. And I, I don't know. I just hope he doesn't rush back. I hope he is okay. Um, and I hope, and you're right. The West is going to be very fascinating to watch. I think I, we JD and I normally pick the teams. I'm going to pick the team for JD next week. I'm, I'm going to go ahead. And if he doesn't like it, we'll go ahead and change it. I'll consult with him. Um, because Dylan really wanted to do the Cavs before he went back on tour. <laughs> so we're going to do the Cavs next week. And I have a little surprise for you, Dylan. Oh, no. The other team next week is a team I've been wanting to watch all year. The Indiana Pacers. Oh, I'm sorry. The Grizzlies were the West team. I think JD will enjoy watching the Grizzlies. So we'll have that. But um, Dylan, our, I know... I'm catering next week specifically to you. <laughs> man, I haven't watched the Pacers as much as I'd like to, but man, like they, they're too good to tank. I mean, Halliburton has been like one of the best point guards in the league this year. And Matherin is just awesome. Like at every level, I mean, especially on offense, he's just been electric and super efficient, which for a rookie is really uh, good to see. And Miles Turner's been awesome. Like Jalen Smith's been good. Um, a lot of the flyers they've 
taken in recent years, like Aaron Neesmith, you know, the guy they got in the Brogdon trade has, has shown some promise. So there's, there's a lot to like about this team. I'm excited to, to watch them more and talk about them next week. It'll be fun to watch, but we do have, I wanted to break that to you because we will be watching a West team next week, a good West team next week. Um, I did. We do need to talk about some other news though. And it does involve the nets not involving, um, number 11 though. I'm not going to say his name. We're not involving number 11. So Jack Vaughn, who I don't know if you've seen a picture of him, Dylan, he looks about 30 years older than he did his last coaching stint in Orlando. Um, Jack Vaughn has been hired as the permanent coach in Brooklyn, which means that Ime Udoka is off the table. <laughs> now, again, this isn't something I wanted to bring up, but I, I think I just have to say it. This is very obviously like, oh, we're having a terrible PR week. We can't bring in Ime Udoka right now. Like, this is so obviously that. And it's just like, if you wanted to hire Ime Udoka, hire Ime Udoka. Like, if you didn't think what he did was that bad, just hire him. We don't know what Ime Udoka did, right? I thought, it, I, I will say, I think I might have said this on the last week's Power Hour. I thought it was telling we, like, actually, no, because we didn't know what Primo did. We kind of figured out what, what Primo did pretty soon after um, he was released. And we didn't know. We still don't know what Yudoka did. We still don't know. Like, we know he had an affair. We don't know what the hell happened. It's been months. It's been actual months, Dylan. And so, uh, do you have any thoughts on this whole Nets coaching situation? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird thing because turning to Yudoka so soon... With the Celtics just willing to let him go to a rival team in the conference... It kind of says a lot about what may have happened. Like, I mean, for to a guy that just made the finals to be so willing to let him go right, literally right after they went to the finals, like he must have done something like clearly a fireable offense. And I think they probably will end up firing him at the end of the season or something. I'm not sure why they just didn't do that now, but for the Nets to be so willing to go for that, it was was really kind of weird. And again, it's hard to judge completely because we don't know this all the details of what Udoka did and all that. But it was a weird thing, and it was weird. I mean, it's not like they announced they were hiring him. It was you know Woj and and Sham saying it. But those guys get that information, you know, for a reason. Like it's not like like someone in the organization is telling them that this is going to happen and for them to be that close and not assume that there was going to be a huge PR backlash to that was pretty dumb. And I, you know, I, I guess we shouldn't give too much weight to the Nets organization because man, the past few years have just been a train wreck for <laughs> some of the players. I mean, it's more of the players they've brought in than anything, but there's just been a lot of weird stuff happening there. And to turn the jock on, I mean, I think it's probably a good idea. And he is representing Lovey Smith pretty well with that gray beard. So I, I did like seeing that, but it was kind of, kind of shocking. He's, he's looking, he's aging like a president where he's just all of a sudden looking older very quickly. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's been a good coach in the past and we'll see. I mean, 
the players there don't seem to to like coaches for very long. I mean, they got Kenny Atkinson fired and then they really wanted Steve Nash and it didn't take long for them to not like Steve Nash anymore. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. It, the Nets are a team I just don't really care about anymore, honestly. And and it's only partially because Bruce Brown isn't there anymore. O- only partially. Um, but they're just an absolute train wreck. And it, this whole thing with, with – KD and Kyrie pairing up and leaving really good organizations and situations to team up. It's, it's basically gone as bad as it could have gone. <laughs> yeah. And listen, 11, we'll do that to Jack Vaughn. Do you, do you want to guess the difference in age between Lovey Smith and Jack Vaughn before we move on to the Hornets? Oh man. Um, I'm going to say 15 years. You are pretty close. It was 17 years. Okay. Lovey Smith is 64. By the way, he looks like, I know the beard is really white. He looks good for 64. Like he looks like pretty good for 64. And then Jack Vaughn, you know, listen, I know <laughs> it hasn't been a good week for him, but he does look good for 47. The white, white looks good in facial hair. So it does. It, it does. I mean, he doesn't look old. He just has white in his hair. So um, with that out of the way, congratulations, Jack. Welcome to hell. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the other side of hell. Charlotte Hornets. They are three and nine. Um, too early still for the standings, but they are the worst team in the East right now. And I do think that you can tell that when you're watching them. They did not win this week. Um they lost to the Grizzlies 130 to 99 last Friday. They lost to the they lost to the aforementioned Nets 98 to 94 in the second game of Kyrie's suspend, 11 suspension. Excuse me. They lost to the Wizards 108 to 100. And they lost to the Blazers 105 to 95. Um. So Dylan, I don't. I'm sure you noticed Lamella Ball's not out there. I'm sure you also noticed a familiar bald head was on the sideline for the Hornets. Have you? What have you noticed when you've been watching this team just this year? Like the differences between Brago and Clifford, like it feels like they're more mature, but they're still losing a lot of games because Lamelo is not out there. Yeah, I will say it, it, it seems a little bit less chaotic maybe, which is not surprising because Clifford is just a more traditional coach. You know, he's always been known for like the defense and his offenses have never been super entertaining, but they're usually pretty efficient for what they have. And I mean, this Charlotte team is a lot different than the last one he coached. So that is definitely a thing uh, to note. but uh, the thing that surprised me the most, and it's been disappointing not being able to, to see their best players, like <laughs> their best players are already hurt, uh, which ah. is, which is annoying. Um, but man, I, two of the teams we're talking about this week, Charlotte and Portland are just like point guard hubs. Like every point guard that comes into those two organiz- or any guard in general that goes into those organizations just is so much better than everywhere else. Like Dennis Smith has just really come along and, he was like kind of left for dead. I thought like he was in Detroit and he was getting some minutes, but it's like, man, this dude is like probably pretty close to going to like China or something. 
Like it seemed like he was on the verge of just not being an NBA player anymore. And he's been awesome uh, this year for them. And he's been pretty good, like in all facets of the game. He's been better on defense than we've seen in the past. I think he's been pretty good off the ball, which was, a you know, that was a concern back in Dallas because he was playing with Luca. And it never really materialized where they could play together super uh, efficiently. So that's been good. Uh, Terry Rozier is still really good. The thing that I just, the thing, and I was thinking about this earlier while watching them is the problem with Charlotte is they have a bunch of guys you like, but don't love. And when you have LaMelo out there, like that's a guy you love, you know, but they just need that second guy that you love. And it, it was never Gordon Hayward, really, or it hasn't been in a while. And I guess you could say it was going to be Miles Bridges before the incident happened. So they, they, I just feel like the past few years, they've just been on the cusp of being not necessarily a dominant team in the East, but like definitely a, a home playoff seed type of team. And they just haven't been able to break through. They keep having these problems that set them back. And they keep bringing good players in, and, and they just haven't been game-changing. Like, James Booknight really hasn't been super awesome yet. You know, like Malik Monk was never that guy. They just they just haven't been able to get that final piece or even just the next piece that gets them closer. And when you watch them, you kind of think that. And also, the retread at center just every year where it's just – it's it's they've had Mason Plumlee at center for like the last 20 years, like that kind of guy, like Cody Zeller, like guys that you like and should definitely be starting, but are, are just not good enough to really bring you to the next level. And they've always been rumored about trading for guys and they've just never done it. So that's just kind of what I think it's just been, it's been a lot of the same issues for years now. And I'm not necessarily banking on Clifford changing any of that. And if they keep having injuries, obviously nothing is – it's not going to be good this year. But I don't know. I just I, – I have low expectations for them right now and in the future because it just never seems to get better. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a fire sale. I know we're only 12 games into the season. But the next time we talk about them, I think we'll be pretty close to the trade deadline. I'm going to look up 10 weeks from today. Um, 10 weeks from today will be Thursday, January 19th, which is Dylan Hughes. Um, four days after you could trade pretty much everyone in the league is tradable. So I would not be surprised if by then Kelly Oubre is gone. Terry Rozier is gone. Gordon Hayward is gone. Your point about Dennis Smith. Did you know, like, I know you haven't been keeping up with NBA coverage. He was going to play in the NFL. Really? He was trying to bulk up to play in the NFL. That would have been fun. And because I'm sure you noticed he looks kind of bigger. Like, I didn't realize that was Dennis Smith when the first time I watched the Hornets. I'm like, that's Dennis Smith Jr. He he's definitely gained some weight. You can see it. He's like, yeah, I put on a ton of weight. I was going to go try out for the NFL because he's definitely athletic enough to play in the NFL. Like, can you imagine is a kick return or something? (laughs) I think that's what he was going to try for. I think that's what he was going for. And but. He looks a lot better. I think Clifford simplifying that offense, I think really helps a guy like him because he can make those reads in the pick and roll. Like Mason Plumlee though. I don't think Mason Plumlee is playing basketball. I don't know what he's doing out there, but he's not playing basketball. Like I, I, am I crazy? 
Like you watch, we watched a lot of games this week, right? Is Mason Plumley just fucking around out there? Like he's like just doing shit with the basketball, like throwing weird backdoor passes to nobody who's cutting. Like, bro, you know, even in the league for ten years now, <laughs> stand in front of the rim with your arms up tall. You can jump. You are athletic. That's the whole point of you. If you aren't doing that, then what are you doing? I just, I don't understand what he's doing. Your point about book night. I don't like book night. Um, maybe this is me giving up on him too early. He couldn't crack the rotation last year at all. And then this year he's trying to do stuff. He just can't do physically like to be a scorer in this league. You have to either be super explosive or super crafty. He's not either of those things. He can't create separation like that against the lead of the elite. Like he's, he's not that guy. And it's okay to call a spade a spade, which I'm sure you agree with. Like he's just, some guys just aren't that guy. And I don't think book Knight is that guy. I think if he plays within himself, he could attack guys off the bounce. He could be a good spot. He has a good form. He could be a good spot up shooter. But his whole thing at UConn was, I'm going to beat you off the bounce. I'm a good scorer. I'm one of the best scorers in college basketball. You're not in college basketball anymore. These are the best athletes in the world. Like, and then the only guy I was really impressed with, my eyes were glued on PJ Washington this week. I was like, okay, you've clearly gotten a lot better. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because you have the ball in your hands a lot more because Hayward's out and because, you know, someone just needs to shoot the ball. And his like his shooting percentages aren't the best right now. But Dylan, I feel like PJ Washington, like you know we I've waffled on him a little bit the past couple of years, but I, I feel like there's a guy, like there's a player there. I don't feel like he's a scrub by any means. Yeah, I mean and and I think we can maybe blame Borrego on that a little bit. Um he he was trying to push him to play like the five. And it just was clear that that wasn't really the best role for him. And, you know, Borrego's a guy that has always coached, or I mean, uh, Clifford's been a guy that's always coached like big guys, you know, like he seems to like bigger lineups. And, and I think PJ is just more of a natural four and he's better in that role. And I mean, I guess to give some sort of defense of Borrego, they again have never had a good center. So they want (laughs) to try to put a more talented player at the five, but, um, yeah, I thought the same thing. And, and PJ is a guy that me and you have both liked. He's the archetype of him as just a player that me and you like are attracted to. Like we, I think we both have a similar love for, for power forwards that just have a certain, have a certain way about them, you know, like the Taj Gibsons of the world, those kind of guys. And PJ has got something like that to him. And I remember seeing a cop about him coming out of Kentucky, about him being more of like a modern day David West. And I mean, man, you want to, you want to get me going, compare a guy to David West. I mean, seriously. So that, that got me excited about him and I kind of saw it too. And I don't think he's necessarily been that guy uh, by any means, but he's definitely look looking more comfortable out there and, and again, having that second guy next to to Lamelo, if PJ can step up and, and be a like if he turns into Jeremy Grant, 
I mean, that's a huge win for them. You know, that's that's the type of guy that would be awesome for them and would be awesome next to Lamelo. And he's not there yet, but he's 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 a lot better. And I definitely he definitely caught my eye this week too. So hopefully he continues to be awesome, and hopefully he ends up being modern day David West. Yeah, I mean. I don't think you want him having this kind of usage. I will say this probably is not optimal, but I think Dylan, you know, I think some guys got caught up in the wrong time in the NBA, like that five year period from like 2015 to 20 when teams are going just super small and thinking the centers were dead. I think now we're kind of seeing the rebound of like, oh, if you're skilled and you have size and I know PJ's not the biggest, right? PJ's only six, seven, but he's bulky. And teams need guys like that, but guys that can play small ball. Like he's not like a full-time small ball five, but he can play small ball five in like a couple minutes spurts. And then he's a full-time, he can play full-time power forward as well. The trend, this trend in the league where we're seeing teams get bigger and bigger again with more skill. I think PJ kind of got drafted at the perfect time (laughs) because if he was drafted, I think in 2015, I think he kind of turns into Trey Lyles with more athleticism and kind of gets lost in the world and just is like, okay, where are we going from here? Like, I don't have a spot in this league, but now I think you can see like a role for him. He needs to get better on defense. I do think we can agree on that, but everyone on the show, like I think Clifford is going to improve their defense by the end of this year. You can already see like the, I think what you can see with Clifford is the defensive. There's a structure right but what do you and i in the regular season you and i agree with this you need a defensive backbone mason Plumley <laughs> is not that defensive backbone no no and again this comes down to the hornets talking about getting a great center and never doing it like is are we sure that danny ainge is not actually running this organization I mean, there's been Miles Turner rumors forever. They talked about Brooke Lopez. You know, I'm pretty sure they were linked to Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah, they were. Um, and there was someone else this past summer that I would have loved. I forget who it was, but um, I think you and I both would love them to get Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, yeah, that was one that we were really excited. Like it's it, it was so it made so much sense that it's like it had to happen. And it, it didn't happen. So it was pretty sad. But it's like, man, they just need someone like that. And they've needed someone like that for years, literally years. And once it became clear they weren't going to keep Cody Zeller, it seemed like that was the next step. You know, that was the next guy. Like, they're finally going to upgrade to a Miles Turner or someone like that. And it became Mason Plumley. And it's like, why would you go for Mason Plumley? This is a horrible decision. It doesn't help you at all. I like, I've liked Mason Plumlee in the past, but he's clearly not a startable center in today's game. And if you're playing alongside a really talented offensive forward that needs better rim protection behind him, Mason Plumlee is not the guy you go to for that. So it's maybe it's a stealth tank job. I don't know, but if they want to be good, and, and to be fair, they have taken some shots in the draft at those kind of guys, but they never seem to get really playing time. Who yes. they they got 
the guy from Texas last year? Was it was it Sims or the other one? It was Kai Jones. Kai Jones, yeah. And then last year they took the kid from Duke, the starting center from Duke, Mark Williams. Right. Who a lot of people compared to Robert Williams. And I'm not saying you know he is Robert Williams, but a lot of people are saying he has a lot of similarities to Robert Williams. Now, me personally now you know this too. Center is one of the hardest learning curves in the whole league. So you can't expect Kai Jones to come in and be an impact player right away. I mean, how often do we see rookie centers coming in? Like even like as pick and roll lob threat guys, how often do we see that happen as rookies? It takes a while. James Wiseman looks horrible right now. I don't know if you've seen any of his games. He like, he looked horrible right now. Like it's not good in golden state and they've, developed three years into him. He's just because he hasn't played. So I think they're scared to let those guys take their lumps, but they, they're going to have to take the lumps at some point. I want to see more Kai Jones. I want to see more Mark Williams. You put first round picks into these guys. Just let them be bad on defense. And then maybe you can get Victor Webb and Yama. Who knows? And then your team could be freaking awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a team that lucks into him that it, uh, it's going to fix, like, all their problems. <laughs> I mean, like, for example, and I don't want to give him too much credit because Darius Garland's pretty good too, but, like, look at what Evan Mobley's done for the Cavs. And Evan Mobley is really good, but he's not as good as apparently Wembenyana's going to be. So that that's wow. a guy that you can just drop in and, and fix everything, apparently. For, that's what the, the hype is, at least. Um, so we'll see. And the Hornets probably deserve someone like that. Cause they've had just a terrible run for a long time, partially because of their own doing, but yeah, it, it may take something like that to fix this. I mean, going 759 and not getting Anthony Davis, that's pretty bad luck. I know we've soured on Anthony Davis, but coming out of Kentucky, still one of the best prospects of the past 15 years. Probably since Kevin Durant, probably. I mean, I, we're not going to debate that. This isn't the time. Um, I have to say, JT Thor, I'm intrigued. I don't think you can shoot worth a lick, but I'm intrigued. I think you're really athletic and rangy, though, which I like to see. Um, free Kelly Oubre. <laughs> He's trying. I. This is like. I'll give this to Kelly Oubre. I think a lot of people put a perception in their head of what he's like as a person. He's been a pro like the last couple of years. He's kind of been like all over the place and he's always shown up to play and he's always been, you know, like, has he always been consistent? No, but he always shows up. He always tries on defense. Is it always good on defense? No, but the point is Dylan, you can only do what you're asked to do. If you don't do it well, that's one thing, but <laughs> you got to at least do it. And I think Ubre, I think that's a guy a contender should look at and be like, hey, you know, we know you want to get Wembenyama. Give us Kelly Ubre. Or else. I don't know why or else, but <laughs> um, do you have any last Hornets thoughts? Because I mean, we don't really, we've talked a lot about Terry Rozier the last couple of years. I don't, I don't have any new. I, I will just say, I want to see him be more of a point guard while Lamelo's out. I, I am intrigued by that. We haven't we haven't seen that since he was in Boston. 
I'm going to say it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a guy that we've really come to like, and if he gets traded, that's a huge chip. I mean, that's a huge chip. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the Lakers want him, but the Lakers are not necessarily in the best position to trade for players right now, unless they're going to trade Anthony Davis to get those players. Um, but uh, I don't Could know. Could you imagine Anthony Davis on this team? It would be pretty fun for the 30 games he plays for sure. Um, so <laughs> Hey, him and Gordon Hayward. Yeah. He, he's a guy, he's the archetype of a guy that would be awesome there, even though he doesn't want to play the five, you know? So, so I don't know, but yeah, they're probably going to become sellers and they have some interesting pieces. So, I mean, if they, if they can move Rozier and Hayward and, you know, whoever else, then they're set for one Binana, um, assuming the lottery balls bounce the right way. But, but that's, that's about the only intrigue I have on them. I think for the rest of the season is their draft position. Yeah. Well, I think these last two teams, Dylan, you know, that's the reason we got the bad team out of the way first. Cause these other two teams, I'm, I'm actually not that intrigued by the Celtics. So let's talk about the Celtics next. Let's get them out of the way because um, they're okay to me, but I'm not like super, you know, like, ooh, it's the Celtics. So last, they're eight and three. Um, last week, they're on a four game winning streak right now. All of the games they played this week, they're, they've won. Um, beat the Bulls 123 to 119. They beat the Knicks 133 to 118, a result that made Dylan Hughes jump for joy. Um, they beat the Grizzlies 109-106, and then they beat the Pistons 128-112, a team I haven't gotten around to watching much, but I want to watch a whole lot. That's a team I want to like dive into, but we'll, I'll get around to them at some point. Dylan, um, I think there's two main things to talk about with this team right now. No Rob Williams, Malcolm Brogdon. I think we should probably start with Brogdon. I think that's the more interesting thing to me. How have you liked Brogdon's transition to Boston? Well, I think this is kind of the perfect situation for him. I was thinking about this yesterday. Is with Milwaukee, it felt like he could have been used more, especially after we saw in the, with the Pacers what he was able to do. You know, if you go back in time, Boston or uh, Milwaukee may have used him a little bit differently, seeing what he's capable of and the Pacers, which I don't think this was the plan, but ended up relying on him too much, mostly because of injuries and things like that. But now is a situation where he's got two superstars next to him and he can be that facilitator that they keep recycling every year they keep getting a new guy in there and I think he's just a much more stable option than they've had recently I mean he's a good off-ball player he's good on ball he's a good defender so I've liked what I've seen from him from the most part I think he he gives them a lot more balance than some of the more recent point guards they've had had have so you know he, he hasn't been awesome every night um but for the for the most part, I've I've liked what I've seen, and I just feel like their team in general seems more stable when he's out there, and the ball seems to really move well. That that was one thing I noticed about them this week was their 
their ball and player movement was really, really good. And they, the players are just really active and it helped them win all the games this week, you know, against some good teams. So it was pretty promising uh, watching them. And I definitely think Brogdon, as he gets more comfortable with them, is going to become even more vital to their success. Yes, I think everything you said is really true. Um, He's just a guy. He's a Swiss Army knife for this team. They didn't need a Swiss Army knife, but they got one now. (laughs) They have like, they had so many tools at their disposal already. They were so good without Malcolm Bragdon. Now they just have this guy who can just put in 25 for you on any given night. Hell yeah. And... Marcus Smart isn't playing as well as he did last year. I think some regression was to be expected. I think he really got along well with Ime. Um, I also think I'm not one to out like, I don't think this is the NFL. I don't think assistants have a, you know, really outsized impact on things. That being said, Dylan, have you seen the Utah Jazz record? Yeah. Uh, somehow Lowry Markinen is actually worthy of the pick he was taken at. All of a sudden, it only took three teams to get it out of him. But yeah, uh, yes. I haven't watched them yet, but they've been pretty dang good. <laughs> yes, and Will Hardy was you know Celtics assistant last year. Um, he's getting really good performances. I've heard Simmons say on his podcast because you know when you hear. I mean, the Celtics haven't been bad by any means, but when you hear when you want to hear people talk about the Simmons, you want to, or it's the Celtics, the Simmons. You want to hear people talk about the Celtics. You want to hear Bill Simmons talk about them because it's always the either the sky is falling or this is the greatest team we've ever seen. Oh my God, House! This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. That was such a bad impression. Um, and he said, "I he had a good point though because you know he does have intel." into the Celtics. Like he has people on the inside. Yeah. He said a lot of people think that Udoka is being, ex- Udoka is being exposed. I don't know if that's Udoka or Udoka, but I'm just going to say Ime. They think Ime is being exposed because they think Will Hardy was behind a lot of that success last year. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not one to say because I'm not there, obviously, but, and obviously we're 13 games into the season. I keep pointing to, you know, the Miami Heat in 2011, you remember that first big three year, started nine and eight, right? It's a long season. I think they finished that, the Miami Heat finished that year 57 and 25, if memory serves. So it's a long season. A lot of stuff can happen, especially in the first two weeks of the season. You're going to hit a rough patch sometimes, or you're going to get really hot sometimes, and you'll hit that rough patch and never leave it. I think the Jazz are going to hit that, never leave it. I don't think the Jazz are going to make the playoffs. I think they would be dumb to try to make the playoffs, especially this year. Especially this year. They might have won too many games already. That's that's neither here nor there. But I don't think I don't think an assistant leaving is making a huge this big of an impact on Marcus Smart. I just don't think that. I think do you want to hear a crazy take, Dylan? Always. I think Marcus Smart is being exposed without Robert Williams <laughs> on both sides. I think he really benefited. Robert Williams is an elite vertical spacer, as you know. 
and on defense, you know, I, you, I don't know if I told you this. I definitely told JD this. If you were going to give the defensive player of the year last year to a Celtic, it wasn't Marcus Smart. It was Robert Williams. He was the best player on that. He was the best defensive player on that team. And second choice wasn't Marcus Smart. It was Jason Tatum. Third choice wasn't Marcus Smart. It was Jalen Brown. And even this year, I don't think their best guard defender is Marcus Smart, Dylan. I don't know if you've noticed this watching their games. They're giving the toughest assignments to Derek White. And I I just think I I think that defensive player of the year is going to age really bad. I didn't think it was good at the time. Yes, I understand you want to give it to a guard. Why didn't you give it to DeJounte Murray one of the three years he was amazing in San Antonio? Why didn't you give it to, you know, there's so many. Why didn't you give it to Drew Holiday one time? There's been so many other guards. Now another guard's not going to win it for another 20 years because they're like, oh, look at how bad Marcus Smart was the year after he won Defensive Player of the Year. And obviously he might come back to the level. But I don't know, Dylan. I just I can't help but feel like Marcus Smart is going to be be like majorly exposed this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. I was thinking about this while watching yesterday was how how quickly they turned things around last year. Because if you remember at the beginning of the season, we talked about this on the podcast, too, was people were talking about breaking up Jason and Jalen. And later on in the season, people were talking about trading Marcus Smart. And then all of a sudden they went to the finals <laughs> and it, it turned around really quick. So I'm a little bit hesitant to make super drastic claims or like have hot takes about certain things on this team right now, because literally last year we saw how quickly things can change. And I, I don't think you're wrong for what you're saying about Marcus Smart. I mean, he's, He's not the defender he once was. Like, if he was going to win a defensive player of the year, it, it, you would have think you would have thought it would have been years ago rather than more recently. So that was definitely a little bit of a surprising uh, thing. And I mean, I, I have been a huge Rob Williams fan, and I've made that clear on this podcast in the past that I think Rob Williams is an awesome center on both ends of the floor, and it sucks that he gets hurt so much. Because, man, like, he he's the type of center, and we're seeing more of these guys in the league now just because uh, the way the game has gone over the past 10 or so years, that he's, he's one of those centers that can block a shot on one end and go get a bucket on the other end, you know, and, and really dominate possession after possession on both sides of the floor. And those guys are always really – appealing because why would they not be they're dominating you know on both ends of the floor and rob williams has become i mean last year man i'd like to go back and listen to our celtics pods last year because i feel like we talked about rob williams a lot and i mean last year he took a huge step on defense i think where he was going out and defending the perimeter he was obviously he's always been a good shot blocker but i feel like he got much better at kind of roaming and just just completely dominate possessions, like I said. So, uh, Rob Williams definitely props up this defense for everyone. Um, but Marcus Smart definitely – and to be fair to Marcus Smart, I think perimeter defenders always get propped up by really good rim protectors, you know. So, it's not super fair to 
to act like he's, you know, the only guy that's benefiting from, from Williams being out there. But, but yeah, I mean, Rob Williams, when he comes back is, is going to make this team a lot better and it's going to make Marcus Smart better. And, you know, I'm not going to go as far as saying Smart's being exposed, uh, but he also is not the only guard there now. I mean, now they have Brogdon and Derek White. And to kind of transition, man, like Derek White, the thing I like about this team is that they – it seems like they've filled all the holes that they needed to fill. Like last year, again, when we were talking about them last year, we were pretty pessimistic about them last year. Like last year, things changed pretty crazy because we, we said both Boston and Dallas, it seemed like they had no pathway to easily improve. Dallas was able to flip Chris Dapps and make a really good playoff run. And now they have Christian Wood. Like they've, they've all of a sudden gone from a team that seemed to have no hope to a team that is really awesome and not that far from maybe being a title contender. And Boston kind of thought the same thing. They missed on some draft picks. They didn't have the best free agency signings. And it didn't seem like they had a ton of pathways to uh, improve around Tatum and Brown. And now they swung a trade for White. They swung a trade for Brogdon. And they made a finals run last year. And this year, I think, you know, they're they're – they have the potential of doing really well again in the playoffs. So they've, they've really done a good job of kind of patching things up. And I like Brogdon's stability and Marcus smart is a little bit more of a wild card. I mean, especially offensively, (laughs) he can be really good or really bad, but Derek white is more of like that home run hitter type of guy. Like he's, he's the, the guy in the lineup, and I, I can't believe I'm using a baseball reference because I hate baseball now, but he's the guy in your lineup that is going to hit 230, but he's going to hit a home run when it really matters. You know, like Derek White is going to have some games where he is absolutely awful, but he's also going to have some games where he scores 12 points in five minutes and is a huge part of a win. And it's not just from, from three-point shooting. Like, he – he hits some wild like runners, you know, like he's really able to balance in the air despite like being hit and just throw up a weird shot and make it. And that's, that's the kind of variance play that is really important in the NBA. And that's a guy that's, that's really, I think going to be good for them this season. And another guy that's just awesome around those two main guys. And I just feel really good about, this team in general. And when Williams comes back, it's going to be even better. So I wanted to shout out a guy real quick. Um, I wanted to shout out Grant Williams because we're shouting out guys. Cause I agree. I agree with everything you said about Derek. White. I don't really have anything else to add. Um, every, I, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I, there's nothing new I have to say about Derek white. I think his defense is incredible. Um, and he's a really good point guard, but I think an interesting wrinkle to watch with this team is going to be Grant Williams at the five. So far, they've busted it out for 130 possessions. You know, not a huge sample size, but for this early in the season, I'd say that's a pretty good on cleaning the our good friend cleaning the glass. First time we've mentioned that this whole episode. Um, plus five point differential. The defense is atrocious with Grant at the five. 
But the offense is really smooth with him at the five. So I think when they like when you need a bucket, I wouldn't be surprised that that's the lineup they go to. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like Brog some like Brogdon, Smart, Brown, Tatum, um, Grant lineup. Like I, I think you could have a lot of variations. And you brought up like the lineup variations. The only thing I'm concerned about, Dylan, they just need more size. This is a small team. And you are in the bigger conference. You have MB to contend with. You have Giannis to contend with. You have Mobley and Allen to contend with. You have Siakam and Barnes to contend with. And I know they're not like the premier duo, but they are a duo. They are a tough duo. So you have a lot of size to deal with in the East. And I, I am concerned about that. But Robert Williams also... um when he's healthy is one of probably the is like a top, I would say seven center. I think I'd rather have healthy Robert Williams than Deandre Aiden. I think I'd rather have healthy Robert Williams. And I definitely rather have healthy Robert Williams than Rudy Gobert. I definitely rather have healthy Robert Williams over cat. So it's just that he can't stay on the floor. If he could stay on the floor, he's like a top, like not 30 top, like 50 player. But, um, do you want to shout out Sam Hauser real quick? <laughs> I mean, listen, man, any, any tall white dude that can contribute to an NBA team, I'm all about. Um, so shout out to him. I, I you know, they, the, the Boston Celtics are always going to have that one white guy that gets the job done. Um, so shout out to him. And I, I do want to remind you, Dylan, because I don't know if you remember our second power hour last year, because this was before you went on tour. Um, our second Celtics power hour last year was, do you remember that crazy game in uh, Madison Square Garden where RJ Barrett hit that buzzer beater? It was like a off the off the glass buzzer beater. And the Celtics were like 19 and 23 before. I so. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if you remember this or not. I absolutely destroyed the Celtics on that power hour. <laughs> and I obviously didn't see the next 40 games coming, but I've never been more wrong <laughs> on the history of this podcast. I've never been more wrong. So shout out to me. Um, any last, I feel like we've got the Celtics pretty good for not having much new to talk about them. Do you have any last Celtics thoughts before we move on to the, Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I will give a shout out to Noah Vonley for somehow surviving and being an NBA player. I mean, in general, just shout out to him for, for being on a roster. The Celtics, the past few years have just, they keep going after these seemingly almost out of the league guys like Jabari Parker and they got Blake Griffin too. And Noah Vonley is the one getting minutes right now. So shout out to him. Well, if you notice, it's like college basketball all-stars. Um, Justin Jackson is on this roster. So although Matt Ryan was a Celtic, was Lakers legend, Matt Ryan. I don't know if you saw that play where Matt Ryan hit the buzzer beater. Shout out to him. Um, the Portland Trailblazers, 
and the the best and most active Matt Ryan. Yes. Oh God, we don't need to talk about the Colts on this podcast. Um, Portland Trailblazers, eight and three. They their last week they went three and one. They beat the Suns one hundred eight one hundred six. Then they lost to the Suns on the next night. Whole little baseball style series. That's weird. Um, one hundred two eighty two. They then beat the Heat one ten one hundred seven. They played the Heat already a good amount. This could be because we did the Heat last week, and then we're doing the Blazers this week. So I've watched two Blazers Heat games already this year, Dylan. Um, and then they beat the Hornets. 105.95. This team has been kind of weird. Dame just came back this week. But what have you seen from the Blazers that you've liked so far? Um, well, again, as I mentioned earlier with Hornets, uh, this is just a an awesome guard team every year. You know, they traded CJ last year. Now it's Simons that's in there and, and playing well. Josh Hart's playing well. And Shane Sharp, who... I uh, actually was hoping the Pacers would get has, has been pretty good for them as well. Uh, so it's great to see that. Um, a lot of Justice Winslow. A lot which, of Justice Winslow. Which isn't shocking because this team, for my entire life, has just always played that one forward that is like, you know they're good like they're good enough to be on a team and they're good enough to play, but maybe they shouldn't be playing as much as they are. Like Portland has always had that guy, like the Mo Harkless award. I think we would probably call it the Mo Harkless award this year goes to justice Winslow. So to congrats to him on winning that uh, very prestigious award. But yeah, I mean, it's, this is an interesting franchise because they seem so close to blowing it up. I mean, it seemed like everyone was gone. Like, they traded CJ. Dame kind of made a trade request, whatever. Like, kind of made a trade request without actually making one. And then kind of things got mended. And now they're one of the better teams in the league. It's kind of just a weird thing. It's – I'm not getting too attached to them right now because you know Nurkic is going to be hurt for an extended period of time. You know that Justice Winslow is playing too much. Uh, it is good to see Jeremy Grant here. I think Jared, this is like the ideal situation for Grant where he's not like the fourth or fifth guy like he was in Denver, but he's not the number one guy like he was in Detroit. Like this feels like the perfect amount of workload for him. Like it's, it's, it's a good balance with him and Dame. And they do have a good support crew and you know I like some of their bench pieces I don't love their bench pieces I like some of them uh Drew Eubanks who I've generally hated for most of uh, his time in the NBA has actually been pretty pretty good so Mm. far so so, uh you know I don't know it's it's an odd team and and I'm interested to see where they go from here because I feel like it's I feel like they're going to kind of retreat to the norm and maybe level out a little bit, but I don't know. We'll see. I, so I agree with 80% of what you're saying. The guards, what they're getting out of Simons and what they're getting out of Dame. I mean, Dame is having a bounce back here. He looks already way better than he did last year. You could tell 
like I didn't know if he was just falling off or if he was hurt. You could tell already he was just hurt. Like he looks a lot better than he did last year. I love what they're doing with him off the ball, by the way. They're actually playing him. They're initiating sets with him and they're having him run off screens. They used to never do that. The ball used to be in his hands all the time. Now they're starting sets with him off the ball. I love that. Um, Josh Hart. Great. Um, I love the way he's playing. Simon's continuing what he did last year, proving it wasn't really a fluke. Um, like you said about Grant, I think this is the perfect role for him. I was kind of concerned about him too. This I was concerned about a lot of the guys on these rost- on this roster. I was concerned like, oh, this isn't sustainable for Jeremy Grant. I thought, you know, the Detroit stuff, like I thought the numbers as the first option would probably carry over to him as like the second or third option. It hasn't. He's been really efficient. He knows he's picking his spots really well while also being a good spot up shooter. I really like what I've seen from Jeremy Grant. This is my concern. I think they're probably better off playing Justice Winslow at the five than they are either of the other two guys. Nurkic or Nurkic or Eubanks. Eubanks. Ugh. <laughs> that guy shouldn't be playing for a, for a team that's trying to make the playoffs, I don't think. You know the perfect team for Drew Eubanks? Is it the Hornets? Hornets. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the perfect team for Nurkic was the Hornets because... They, they could act get- exactly. <laughs> I think this team needs to upgrade at the five spot. The problem is you just paid Nurkic. You like just paid Nurkic, and I think him and Dame are tight. You know, it'd probably be. You know, you do have to cater to Dame as much as it sucks. Like that, he is the guy there. Like you have to cater to him. Um, but Nurk, I I just don't think he cuts it. Like the defense isn't there anymore. It hasn't been there. He like it was there in 2017, right? When he when they first got him from Denver, he was a defensive monster, right? Bosnian beast, perfect nickname. He's still a beast on offense, right? I think now though, Nurkic is at a stage, and I'm not trying to use this as an insult. He's at a like an Enos Cantor stage of his career, where if he was coming off my bench, I'd love him. Right. I like I think he'd be so perfect coming off the bench because he'd kill bench bigs, right? He would just like he's so much better offensively than they are, and you would minimize the defensive impact of him coming off the bench. But starting wise, I just don't like defensively, I think he hurts you more than he helps you at this point. Do you think I'm off base there? No, I mean it it was weird, you know, bringing him back because it seemed like the perfect opportunity to kind of cut bait and move on to someone that fits, maybe fits the roster a little bit more and is a little bit more reliable. So it was weird to bring him back. Maybe it was a Dame thing. I don't know, but I thought that was odd. And it's, it sucks to say, as you said, cause we've loved him for so many years now, but it's, it's become clear that he's just not what he used to be on both ends. And it's it, it was weird, weird bringing him back. And I, I do think that is a spot where they could definitely tend to upgrade. But I mean, I don't know. As we just talked about the Hornets, like, I don't know if it's a lack of trying, but maybe it's just not super easy to upgrade center. Like it's, there's not always super enticing options out there. And I think it's one of those things where it's like, well, this guy's been good enough maybe we'll just stick with it and see what happens because it's not, 
it's not like centers are a dime a dozen. You know, I will, I will say that it's not like you can just easily go out and get a new guy. So I don't know. I, I think it is tougher to move on from him now that they brought him back, but it's, it's going to, you know, he's going to get hurt. And when he's on the floor, you know that he's not going to be what he used to be. So it's, it's definitely a little bit concerning. Can I make one counterpoint? Can I make one counterpoint? Yes. Rashawn Holmes is playing 12 minutes a game off the bench. Sacramento. Yeah, I mean, that's Sacramento, so I don't. <laughs> there I... is a better option somewhere is what I'm saying. Well, yeah. And I also, mean, yeah. also, I got one more. I got one more. You ready for this one? Yes. You ready for this one? Another Another favorite of ours. Daniel Gafford playing 13 minutes a game. I think we wanted to piss me off. Like you're doing a really good job. Really good job. Well, you know, Hey, listen, anytime you can give those minutes to, well, your guy is getting the minutes in Sacramento, although he wasn't really your guy. And then Porzingis is getting the minutes at Washington. Yeah, Porzingis is actually playing center. You have to like, we'll I'll, we'll say this. He's actually playing center. But we're, we're talking about the Blazers. I think both of those guys would be great on Portland. Um, I think that's my frustration with this team, Dylan. To like the point I'm actually trying to make here is because this team has a lot of rangy athletes. Like they have, they could make a lot of impact if you gave them someone at the in the back line. Because Dame's trying on defense. Like, say what you will about him. Like, his, he's, like, and I will say, for years, he kind of posted on his reputation and didn't get lumped in with Harden and Westbrook when he absolutely should have. Like, for years, he should have, like, on that end, like, he should have been lumped in with Harden and Westbrook as guys who didn't try. And for obvious reasons, right? Those guys had massive usage rates. But if you're going to roast those guys, why isn't Dane getting it? It's because you like Dame. And you didn't like Harden and Westbrook. Call a spade a spade. That's all I'm trying to say. But Dame is trying now. Simons is trying. Shaden Sharp doesn't seem clueless for a guy who didn't play college basketball. I really like Shaden Sharp, Dylan. I think he's really good. I think here's a comparison for you. Shaden Sharp is if is what would happen if you gave James Booknight some bounce. <laughs> that sounds great. I'd yeah. love that. I mean, is is watching them, isn't that exactly what it is? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I I really I'm really happy that he's been good because there was some concerns coming into the draft about him with he seemed like one of those guys that wasn't super interested in basketball, I think, and maybe he had some off the court concerns with just behavior. Um, whether those were, you know, actually legit or not, I don't know. Every every year in the draft, we hear some BS about one of the guys not loving basketball, like Anthony Edwards, and then he ends up becoming awesome. So it's probably best to not really believe that stuff, but I am happy that he's been good. Yes, I, I let's just talk about him for a second before I get back to ranting about the centers. He is such an enticing athlete. Like, and we need more of those around the league because – I'm sorry, Kenyon Martin Jr. can't be the only one. <laughs> He's obviously not the only one, but got it. You you know, you know, Dylan, I preach at the church of Kenyon Martin Jr. Um, 
I think Sharp is an infusion of athleticism this team needed off the bench. And plus, he can actually score, right? I think it would be different like if he was like, no offense, I'm not trying to insult him, but if he was just Hami Diallo, it'd be different. Like, Hami can't do what Shaden Sharp can do, but Shaden Sharp can do what Hami can do. And I think, listen, I'm the top seven of this last draft <laughs> might have actually been low-key insane, other than Keegan Murray, but we don't have to talk about that. Everyone just knew that at the time, but that's not, that's neither here nor there. Um, do you have any last shade and sharp thoughts before we go back to trashing the center room? <laughs> I'm, I'm very open to more trash talk. So let's get, let's get to that. I just, I think Drew Eubanks amongst all the like playoff contending teams, because I think I didn't take the Blazers seriously going into the season. And I still don't know if they avoid the play in. But the Clippers started really slow. The Warriors started really slow. This gives you a leg up. So you, I, I have to take you seriously, right? I still think they have the worst, like even with Wiseman's struggles, I'd still take Wiseman over Drew Eubanks. I'd still take, you know, whoever the Clippers are trotting out at backup center over Drew Eubanks. I would take Dylan Hughes. I would take DeAndre Jordan. Mm. Over Drew Eubanks. Do you realize what I just said? That you realize the words that just came out of my mouth. That is that that's gotta hurt. That's gotta hurt Drew Eubanks, who's definitely listening to this podcast. I mean Yes, he is definitely listening to the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. But I I just I don't I'm sorry, I just can't get there. And I think Dylan, am I crazy for saying I can't trust them until they get better at that spot? I mean, no. Like, I mean, I did give Drew Eubanks some props because he's been efficient, and I saw him block at least one shot. So, shout-outs for that. But, I mean, yeah, like, it is it is concerning. And and I really can't believe our, our boys Gafford and Holmes are being buried like this. So, we need to manifest. We've we've done a good job on this podcast of manifesting things. We need to manifest one of those guys or both ending up in Portland this year. I think that would solve a lot of problems for everyone. So it's just I think when you have the kind of athletes they have, we haven't even talked about Nazir Little. Like he hasn't yeah. played as much this year. They just have so many options on the wing. This team used to not have that. And I know you bashed us as Winslow. At the beginning, which I understand, but at least he can defend on the wing. They haven't had that in, I mean, since Mo Harkless left. <laughs> I mean, when was the last guy, who was the last ace wing defender they had? Because it wasn't Covington. You and I both agreed when Covington was in Portland, he was miscast. He's yeah. a least- I was going to say Covington was such a disappointment there. And didn't they trade two first for him? They did. I mean, that... Gosh, man, that was tough. Shout out to Neil Olshay, wherever you are, <laughs> yelling at your um, subordinates and trading away useless first, needless first round picks for Robert Covington. <laughs> it felt like such a good move at the time, too, to give him some credit or to defend him a little bit. It felt like the right move because he was awesome that year before. All I know is, Dylan, if I was going to yell at my employees, I wouldn't just throw away first round picks like they're candy. 
Well, and, yeah. And create a, to- I wouldn't create a toxic work environment. <laughs> That's just me. If you want to throw anything around, it should be a second round pick. Like, come on. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I've been like, I've called Chauncey Bill as the worst coach in the NBA. I need to see a little more, but I think I might be ready to move away from that. I might be. We'll see. I mean, I feel like he has good movement in his offense, like really good movement. I really love the Dame off ball stuff. It feels like he's kind of making Dame an elite Chauncey Billups almost, which is smart. Like, I think that's a really good way to prolong Dame's career. And I think, you know, you have Simons as well. Simons can initiate offense. You have a lot of ball handlers in this offense. Dame doesn't need to be the only one. I think that was Portland's mistake before, too, because we saw it in New Orleans. CJ, like, had an amazing year last year handling the ball after he got to New Orleans. I think, Dylan, we're seeing... I think this will be the thing we close on. I think Dame seeing that he can share the ball and still have success, I think that might be the thing that unlocks this team to greater heights. I mean, yeah, like, it's... It was it was the Dame and CJ show for so long, and it was kind of the same story every year, you know. So Dame, you never want to blame the best guy on the team, but having Dame kind of change his style a little bit and open things up a little bit more, um, maybe Harden can learn from that. By the way, I mean he's he's been better in Philly with with Maxi, but uh, but yeah, I, I think I think that's definitely something promising and something to continue to watch, but I don't know how much Drew Eubanks I want to watch. So I may just have to, to watch, watch some highlights and, and see how that develops because I, you know, when I watched San Antonio last year and Drew Eubanks on the floor, I just got sick to my stomach and I don't want to, I don't want to put myself through that, but if they get Gafford or, or Holmes, I may watch it every single night. So Oh, folks, you got to love it. Dylan, um, that was a great episode. Thank you so much for you were going to join us with or without JD, but thank you for in essence filling in for JD. Um, And again, shout out to JD. I hope he feels better. I hope because that sounds like hell what he's going through. Um, Make sure you check out Facts and Sats. Make sure you check out um, Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band. When are you? When's your next show, Dylan? We have a day. We have a Black Friday show actually in St. Louis, um, and then we are coming back to the great state of Indiana and playing in Bloomington um, on the same day and the same city as IU versus Purdue football. Uh, so, pretty pretty fun times. We don't know when the game is going to be yet. Hopefully, to like three thirty, people can come to the show right after. It's going to be a great time. We're going to be hitting kind of the Midwest in December, going to like Nebraska and Milwaukee, St. Paul, Chicago is our last show um, basically of the year until New Year's Eve. So if you're in the Midwest, look up the schedule, man. We're going to be around. And Dylan will be back on the power hour next week, but you know, you should buy your, buy your tickets now. I mean, you could buy your tickets ahead of time, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Lock so make, in. make sure you buy your tickets now. Make sure you're listening to our other offerings on the um, Running Hook Podcast Network. Make sure you check out Lynn Sanity. 
um, week nine just passed. Um, I Dylan, as we both know, I'm sure you were shocked. The curveball wasn't about the Colts, but you and I talked about the Colts before the show, so it wouldn't have been much of a curveball. But make sure you check out Lynn Sanity for. I'm sure they went. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I'm sure they went long about the Colts, like long. Um, and make sure you check out Circle City Cinema. Zach is back. He had an episode about Scream last week on Halloween and make sure you check him out. He's going to be coming out with more awesome movie and TV content soon. Dylan, once again, just in case you need a reminder, because we kind of threw the teams in there randomly teams for next week, because Dylan wanted to make sure he was on for this team. And we are doing the Cleveland Cavaliers. We will be doing the Indiana Pacers. And for now, the third team will be the Memphis Grizzlies. That one's subject to change, but the first two are written in stone. So make sure you check out those teams. Make sure you follow Reverend Peyton's big damn band and make sure you tell Dylan Hughes you love him at by Dylan Hughes on Twitter. Um, (laughs) If anyone does that, um, I will send you a virtual high five. So Dylan Hughes, once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening.